here. Do that for a sec. Okay. Does it show on y'all's end the little red button that says recording? Yep. Yes. Okay, Becca, Becca, this is your job going forward. Okay, got it. I can't count on Laura, but I mean, no offense. That is true. And taken. I see a lot, a lot going on back here. Okay. Uh, how did we start? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So today we're going to talk about the 2023 college football season. And in keeping with the theme of why, we're going to start with why is college football an interest of yours? Who is your favorite college football team and why? So, Becca, would you like to begin? Sure. So, we grew up watching football. Our dad was a huge college football fan. He watched NFL, but college football was kind of more the one that he kept up with the most. Um, and it was always just a fun thing that we did on the weekends. The game was always playing in the house. You know, even if we were doing something else in the house, the game was always on the TV. Um, but more so is because we always had football parties. There was always a group of people over, other kids over while the game was going on. So it just, it always made fun memories. And so growing up, that was always something that we enjoyed, um, childhood, high school. And then once I got married, my husband was into football. And so kind of kept that up. And it's just fun to watch some of your favorite guys in college move into the NFL and get to keep up with them that way um, and just kind of continue being able to enjoy the sport. So, well, that that happens when you're an Alabama fan. As an Arkansas fan, we don't really follow yes. much of them in the NFL, as they don't really do a lot of that. <laughs> but um, that leads to actually everyone who's favorite. <laughs> yeah, he's my my favorite. He owns the car wash down the street. So, um, yeah. uh, and who is your favorite team? So, favorite team growing up, we were. Born and bred to be Alabama Roll Tide. Um, and then when I got married, I was um, forced to become a University of Missouri fan, So, which was fine. But now they're in the same conference. So I have to cheer quietly for Alabama when Mizzou's playing and doing well. <laughs> Actually, I, I have Missouri as one of my storylines for later. So I and I thought it'd be oh, nice uh, because I actually don't know here. any Missouri fans outside of you. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so. I mean, you have to live in Columbia. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't even think that the rest of the state likes the team, but no, they don't. <laughs> um, so, Laura, uh, I know y'all share the same upbringing at home. So, uh, you want to talk about why you personally love college football? Yeah, I think I have just, it was always enjoyable. Dad always was, he was fun to be around when he watched it. He wanted us to watch it with him. He was never the dad that was like, be quiet, the game's on, or wouldn't talk while the game was on. Um, I mean, we all get intense when, you know, it's close or whatnot, but it just, he made it enjoyable. And so I don't ever remember like being mad that there was football on all day on a Saturday or whatnot. Like it was just, it was fun. It was something fun to, to do, to start watching or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like Becca said, like we were definitely raised to be Bama fans and, I mean, I still remember when we were losing to Louisiana Monroe and Nick Saban wasn't our coach. (laughs) Yeah. I do. And I feel like even then just as much, I was an Alabama fan. Like, I mean, even you with Arkansas, like it's still like, it's still fun to have a team to pull for truly regardless win or lose. It's fun to have a dog in the fight. So, yeah, and I think <clears throat> I've thought a lot about that with my son, who he's only he just turned eight. And so, of course, he tells us all the time, I'm not an Arkansas fan. And he says that because they're losing. And in his mind, like, why would you cheer for somebody yeah. that's not winning? Which I can validate. <laughs> I can understand. Uh, so, for his birthday, he got a, or no, for Christmas, he got a custom Georgia Bulldog football jersey with his name on the back. Um, Because this week he's a Georgia fan. Um, He did ask us about Alabama, and I said we we have very few rules in our home. That is, mm -mm, nope. 
So, in fact, yesterday he said something about cheering for LSU, and my husband was like, oh, we don't do that. And I was like, no, 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 no. I gave him one rule. It can't be Alabama. You can cheer for LSU. <laughs> so, um, poor, <laughs> poor little guy. He, uh, so, today it's Georgia. I mean, who knows? Um, which is not a bad, not a bad choice, and I get it. So, um, but yeah, same reasoning. Uh, we have very similar upbringings and parents, and my dad always watched football more NFL, I think, than college. And I think it was because Arkansas was not winning then either. I think we've only won the national championship once, and I want to say it was in like 1964, somewhere in that range. Wow. Yeah, um, it's a really That's heavy cross that we bear here. That um, is tough. And I'm telling you, we're not, I guarantee you it won't happen in the next decade. So um, I think that because of that, though, I've kind of adopted some other teams because, like Judd, I appreciate winning. And um, I grew up in Northwest Arkansas, and Gus Malzon was our high school coach, and we're still very good friends with their family. So I cheer for Gus wherever he was, is. It was Auburn. Now we hate them because they're stupid. Um, and now it's UCF, oh, yeah. which, yeah. So now it's UCF, which I don't have, I mean, I know nothing about UCF, um, but I'll always cheer for Gus wherever he is. Outside of that, it's always kind of been Clemson for me. Their old coach uh, used to coach at Arkansas, and I grew up with his daughter. And so I just, I, I like Dabo. I like some of the traditions at Clemson. I've realized I'm really big on schools that have traditions. Like I really like I really like A and M because I like a lot of their tradition stuff. I was fixing to ask you for them. traditions how you felt about A and M. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to cheer for them, but I, I appreciate <laughs> that part of the school. Yeah. Um, and obviously Clemson, well, not this season, but you know, usually they're right up there at the top, and so there's been something to cheer for there. Um, but yeah, so I think that that leads to like the next part of the conversation when, which is part of the reason that I don't really have a lot to cheer for with UCF is because of the conference. So the whole debacle of switching conferences, um, that is apparently like a trend now, it's like the cool thing to do is to move your conference, um, this next year in SEC, we get Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Do we get one more? I can't remember. I just remember those three. Um, but how do you guys feel about this whole like, oh, we're just going to switch conferences? Um, Laura, do you want to start with how you feel about that? Not a fan. Oh. I'm not a fan of it at all. Um, okay. I feel like Lily just said she's not a fan either. <laughs> um, I don't. I really. I like the way the NFL does it with the NFC and the AFC. I feel like that makes more sense to have. I mean, mm -hmm. because you've, you've got a, the lesser conferences um, and you have, you know, what we've got now with getting into the playoffs and all that, uh, then it turns into strength of schedule and, yeah, you're undefeated and you played no one that was ranked or you played two teams that were ranked or you, whatever. Like, I feel like, I don't know. They're just with a, a lot of things that we'll talk about today. I feel like there just needs to be stricter guidelines to moving from one conference to the other. But I was ticked beyond belief when A&M jumped into the SEC. I did not think they should have ever been in the SEC um, and then it didn't make sense when you've got Texas, University of Texas, down the road, and they're mm -hmm. not in the conference. Like, yeah, I think, like, I don't remember being mad about A&M necessarily. Um, no offense, Becca. I was really mad about Missouri because I felt like that was such a freaking waste. Now, but now, like, this yes. season was different. And we'll talk about that later. But. I do think, um, I think the reason that we have conferences is because back in the day it had to do with the geographical traveling to games. Now that's completely out the window because, I mean, they're all over the place. And then you have teams like Notre Dame that don't have a conference. Like, they don't make sense. I do like the idea of the way the NFL is divided up. I do think if we're going to have rules or even names that are geographically based, like the SEC East, 
You shouldn't have a team like Missouri in the East when they are literally the dead center of the entire country. Yeah. Yeah, It makes no sense when every other team around them is in the SEC West, which I haven't looked. Maybe you guys know this. I haven't even looked this up. Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, they can't all be in the SEC West, even though geographically they should be. Do you guys know which ones they're going to be? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, Listen, it's news to me that OSU is coming to the SEC. I thought it was just OU in Texas. Oh, well, you know what? I think I'm, well, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, actually. Um, hold on. We'll have to, I can't even turn the recording back on. Okay. So maybe I am wrong about Oklahoma State. I have to look that up. But I just looked this up oh, to figure out if Texas they are, right? Oh, this also doesn't say that. To join SEC July 2024. So you're right. But do you see this? I didn't realize this. The SEC, This says the SEC will eliminate its East and West division. I had no idea. Is that why they're just calling it a power conference then? Because it's just... Well, and I was going to say, you called it a super conference earlier. And it does remind me of like, I get so annoyed when these like NBA teams these like really, really good players will all go to the same team um, because they want to, you know, earn more money and all that. Which I get that yeah. part. But I think it's annoying when you have schools like Texas who all they have ever done is bash SEC schools and acted like it was not as superior as it is and it's overinflated. And yet, where did they go? Right. The SEC. Well, but I think that just goes to prove it's just a money thing. These schools are jumping ship so their football programs can get more money. They can get more media. But you're not taking into consideration the travel time that these kids who are still in classes have to now be on buses or airplanes or whatever it is in meetings, doing media appearances. There's no time management for them. Um, But you're also not taking into consideration the other sports that your college plays. Your volleyball team, your basketball team, your baseball, whatever is possibly not good enough to go play other SEC teams. And you're just setting them up for failure to be defeated every single year when they might be an okay team with some people getting some media attention, but you've set them up for failure. So I think we just need to figure out this conference thing and quit jumping back and forth. That's actually a really good point that I haven't thought about either because we have something similar going on at our high school level here in Arkansas. So um, you know, we have the, I call it like the A system, 7A, 5A, all that in Arkansas. And historically, your school was given their uh, their conference based on your the population, your student body, how many kids you have enrolled. But where that becomes a problem, and I think that is still the way it goes theoretically for public schools. The problem comes with private schools, like where I went to school growing up we were forced to move conferences because the other coaches in our conference voted us out because we won all the time because we weren't beholden to like a district. Anyone could go there. So of course they always said, Oh, they're recruiting, whatever. Well, you're a private school. You can do whatever you want. Um, But having played girls basketball, it was never fair to me that like almost every year, during high school, we would move up another class based on our football team winning and we were getting slaughtered, you know, in basketball. Now they've evened that out a little, but the same thing is happening to my son's school. Now they're moving up to the highest class rating in Arkansas as a private school, which like student body wise should be the lowest class. Right. And again, it's not to me, I just don't think it's fair for the other sports that I don't know what the right answer is. I, did you guys see the interview with Chip Kelly? I think it was this past weekend where he basically was saying, like, everybody should be on their own. It should be a big free-for-all, which I think there's some validity to that argument. But then I think it goes back to your point, Becca. Like, they still have to travel to these places. And allegedly, they are supposed to be going to class. Like, yeah. how does all that, like, I don't get how that all fits in. But I don't. I don't like Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I don't like them joining the SEC, um, partially because my poor little Razorbacks, you for sure not going to win any of those games. Um, But also because, like, I don't know. I just, again, I like tradition. And so when we start throwing in all these new teams, like Arkansas's big, like, Thanksgiving rivalry forever was LSU. 
we always played LSU the Friday after Thanksgiving. And it was like a big deal. Well, now our big rivalry game, and it was called the Battle for the Boot. And they had like this big bronze boot trophy because Arkansas and LSU or in Louisiana on a map looked like a boot. Yeah. Um, well, now they've switched it up in Missouri is our big rival the Friday after Thanksgiving. And it's the battle for the state line. Well, nobody here cares about Missouri. Like it takes away from all that. Yeah. Well, um, and that's one of the things when Mizzou left um, the Big 12 and moved to the SEC, our big rival had always been the Kansas Jayhawks. That we mm -hmm. had the big border wars game. It was a huge thing. And when Mizzou went into the SEC, Kansas was like, we don't want to play you guys anymore. And then they tried to make us rivals with Arkansas. And it just, you lose some of that historical, um, not integrity, but just some of the history in the game and continuing those traditions um, that it's just, it's not needed. We don't need to do all of this. Yeah. And I think I just thought about this too. Yeah, I just thought about this too. I think older Razorback fans would argue that um, we used to be a part of the Southwestern Conference when it existed, the SWC, as opposed to the SEC. Yeah. Uh, when that existed, that's where Arkansas played, and Texas at that point was our big rival. And so I guess older Razorback fans will probably like that we're playing Texas again. Um, and even when I was in college, I remember we played Texas, and it was super fun, um, even though we were in the SEC. Um, but yeah, so I think that that actually leads to a couple of our other topics. Um, let's talk about the transfer portal, um, which has been very unkind to my little Razorbacks. Um, we've lost some of our better players. We don't have a lot of good players. So losing any of them is detrimental. Um, and then we, we keep getting these big names allegedly that are coming from the transfer portal. And then like, I never hear about them again, ever. Um, yeah. like we're getting this big quarterback allegedly from Boise State. But when I think about conferences, who is Boise State playing? Like this kid is going to get slaughtered in the SEC, potentially. Um, I think it's so, good with the portals to have parameters around the legal times when coaches can be talking to recruits um, and kind of start trying to put more parameters on that because – that does have to be watched. We can't just be out here talking to them all year long in whatever capacity we want to. So I think that that's good. I also am glad that they no longer have the where once you transfer, you have to sit out a year because then that leads us to the stats and minutes of, you know, college football where you've got these 40 year olds playing that should have been out the door long ago. Uh, so there are some good things with the transfer portal, but I, with you, there's just no loyalty to your team and you keep jumping ship. Coaches can't really build a strong team around players if they're constantly jumping and going from team to team, like it's free agency all the time. It just, yeah. it's just a free for all out there. And we just also have to take into consideration. These kids are kids. They need to finish their degrees as well. We have to not just say, this is the only thing you can do because if you throw them into the NFL, they might not get drafted, they might get benched, they might get cut, and now they have no degree to fall back on. So you never yeah. set them up for success, which was your job. So, yeah. Laura, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I definitely agree with Becca on this. And I think, um, I believe it was David Pollock I heard last year on College Game Day talking about it with the transfer portal and kids can just jump ship or whatnot. And it... Um, there's no character building inside of that when you're just leaving. When, I mean, you can all talk about jobs with bosses that you disagreed with or any situation where you've got somebody in leadership over you that you disagree with. And in the real world, you can't just leave. You can't yeah. always just quit your job. You can't just whatever and when you're teaching kids these things, you know, maybe inadvertently or whatnot, but you're teaching them, hey, when it's hard, when you don't like it, when you disagree with X, Y, and Z, then you can just jump ship and leave and jump in this cute little thing called the transfer portal and see what the heck happens. And I mean, I think you've got, which this can be dissected a hundred different ways and truly not because 
I'm a Bama or a Nick Saban fan, but I do feel like Nick does a great job of building character and instilling integrity inside of his players. And because I think he sees one, a lot of these guys are given an opportunity. They would not have if they did not play football, a lot of these kids would not be able to go to college if they did not have a football scholarship. And I mean, just Jalen Melrow sitting him out for a game and he has talked, Nick has talked so much about he responded the right way. He did X, Y, and Z where I think a lot of kids with maybe, maybe not the best coaches, maybe they do have some of the best coaches, but I think if you've got a kid who he sits out a game and he's like, what the F I'm great at this. Why I'm just going to jump in the transfer portal. Like there's gotta be some sort of stronghold on that. Like there needs to be some uh, sort of stricter oh. guidelines for that. Whole yeah. I, I think that we, I just actually looked up the statistic because I was curious what the numbers are. This article says that 21% of college football rosters went to the transfer portal at the end of the season. 21%. That is insane. It's almost 2,000 athletes. Like, And I think every year it's just going to get bigger and bigger. I agree. I think that I do see the point that like, you know, you are a kid and you make a commitment to a school and then you get there and you just hate it. It's just, this happened to me because I went to Kansas state my freshman year and I was there about 48 hours. And I realized like I've made a massive, massive mistake. Um, And I think it gets harder and worse on kids that are actually really good athletes and not like subpar should just be on the intramural athletes like me um, because they have so many teams coming at them and so many big names and they don't think about the big picture. They think about, Oh, I want to be, you know, with this team. And so I do see the point right. of it because like, had I not been able to transfer away from Kansas state, I can't even imagine my life would have been so screwed up. I can't even imagine that. So I do see some point in it, but I do agree. Like there's gotta be rules and regulations. I truly think that there's going to be scandals that come from this because of tampering and just all those things that can happen. Um, yeah. I, it, it, it's just ridiculous at this point. I also really don't like the grad transfer part of the transfer portal. You've at that point put in four at a minimum years at a school probably more like five or six, right, right. the way the red shirts and all that goes. Um, and then you can, that's what's happened in Arkansas. Our starting quarterback is a grad transfer. He's going who knows where. I don't like that. Like, either go on to the NFL yeah. or go buy your car wash at that point. Like, And there's less rules around grad transfers in the transfer portal. So yeah. it's a lot more lax with them than it is with other players. And it's already fairly lax with the other players. Yeah, I just so. think that I think we're one scandal away from it being a big hoopla. But um, that's another scandal in college football that's, I'm sure, brewing somewhere. Um, let's talk about the NIL. Um, so this all came about because college athletes were really tired of their name and likeness being money makers for their universities, and they got nothing from it. And, of course, there were the stories of some kids that, you know, lived off ramen the whole time they were there. And I do believe that is the story for some athletes. I don't believe that's the majority of college athletes, but just my opinion. Um, so let's talk about that. How do you guys feel about the NIL? Becca, do you want to start? Sure. I definitely think there's a place for it. I do think that student athletes should be able to profit off of their name and not just be letting the school take all of the money because you go there. Um, so I think that there's, it's a good thing. However, I do think that we have to put some parameters around it. You have some kids that are just getting so much NIL money from all of these different places that that becomes their focus. And A, their focus is no longer on academics. And B, their focus kind of gets away from the sport as well because they're so busy doing commercials, doing their social media posts, making a TikTok or whatever it is. And there's no one to guide them. There's no one to say, you know, financially, how do you manage your money? 
so that you don't blow it and then it's all gone. We can't be out here buying a Rolls Royce and a Rolex, you know, just because you've got the change. Don't put that in a parking lot of college and think that people aren't gonna jack with your stuff. But right. you're just, you're not setting these kids up for success later down the line. Obviously, it's a good thing that we have it in place. Otherwise, you have situations where you have like Johnny Manziel, who was doing, in essence, what the kids are doing now, but he was doing it all, you know, under the table. So you have to, but there has to be some kind of balance of power in that situation. Well, you mentioned Johnny Manziel, somebody that I haven't thought about with the NIL, but uh, Reggie Bush got his Eichmann trophy taken away because of and essentially still, NIL money. Yeah, and they still haven't given it back to him. And there's been a petition like yeah. every year to get back. Give the dude his trophy back. It doesn't change what he did. He would have gone to USC either way. He was already there. Right. Yep. I don't know. Laura, how do you feel about these children getting money? Yeah, I do completely agree. I think um, I think the same thing with the rest of it is you almost, you have to open the door so wide to figure out where you really need to rein it all back in at. Um, but I think it is excellent and well past due for these students to make money off of themselves. Um, it's not, I think before the NIL, we kind of just assumed that these players are just getting paid to play. It's not like a salary thing. And I think now, I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars did Texas A&M make off of Johnny Manziel. And yeah, he did a whole bunch of stuff he wasn't supposed to and continues to live his life that way. Um, but, but at the same time, that's his name. That's his signature that he was selling. Um, in my opinion, he had every right to get money for that. It yeah. is sad to me that he, that it was, he was doing it illegally or whatnot. Um, because I think, I think he should have always been making money for his name. Um, just like any other football player should be making money for their name. And I think it does help with, I mean, yeah, these kids don't know how to handle money, but at the same time, I almost see it a little bit as like, as a parent, you want your kid to make all their mistakes while they live with you so that you can help them and correct them. And so it's like, these kids don't have money. They don't have money. They don't have money. They go to college, they play, they don't have money. They don't have money. And then they get in the NFL <laughs> and sign contracts for hundreds of millions of dollars but they haven't had money this whole time. So they don't know what to do with it. So I almost see this also as a point of like, okay, Hey, we're going to help you now figure out how to budget. We're going to help you now figure out um, what advertisements are good and what takes up too much time and, you know, kind of weigh the pros and cons where they're still in the house of being in college. Um, and it, who knows? Maybe that maybe that makes more successful NFL players down the road, like financially successful. I guess. Um, I I don't know. Just just a thought. Well, you know, um, something I hadn't really thought about too, in talking a little bit about the um, conference switching and all of that too. Um, I think the NIL. I do think it has its place. I think there probably needs to be some stronger rules in place around it. But then I think you run into issues where dumb situations like the Reggie Bush or the Johnny Manziel happen. Yeah. But it does put some schools at a pretty serious disadvantage, especially depending on where you are um, and how you've been playing. Like for Arkansas, bless us. Um, one of the big reasons we can't get big recruits is because of the NIL. We don't have, and it's weird because we do obviously have big corporations in Arkansas, clearly Walmart and Tyson, J.B. Hunt, things like that. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot of NIL money. Um, like our starting quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, had the most on the team, and he was like less than 300000 That's like chump change to an NIL deal wow. in Alabama. 
So it's gotten to the point, there's two things that are kind of going on in Arkansas right now. They have this thing they've started called the collective, where they essentially want people to donate money to the NIL collective to distribute amongst the players. Well, we're already forking out a lot of money to go watch them lose in Fayetteville. So <laughs> love that. The other thing I don't love yeah. is that they're trying to get our state legislators to pass some of the tax money to go to the NIL. Well, I am totally against that right? because we have terrible schools, terrible roads, like all this stuff. Like, I think we might need to focus on that. I mean, I want to win as much as anyone, but like for us, that's just, it doesn't make sense. But then you got kids. We lost a kid in Arkansas this week who was committed to Arkansas. Courtney, I think his name's Crutchfield. He had been in Arkansas commit this whole time. Well, he flipped to Missouri this week because he got more NIL money. He's a five-star athlete. That could have been really game-changing for Arkansas. And it's just, but you can't pop the kid either. Like, I mean, it's just like the NFL players. They go with who's offering the most money. I mean, right. it makes sense. But, yeah, I think it's a tough one. But it also leads to us talking about the 2023 season. And let's start by talking about um, the playoffs. A little hot topic lately. There's a lot of controversy, allegedly. I think that the controversy was kind of like blown out of proportion. Yeah, I think so. The controversy around Florida State should have been in the playoffs instead of Alabama because Alabama lost to Texas. Florida State was undefeated. Seminole fans think they didn't get in because their quarterback was hurt. I think it's because their strength of schedule was not near what Alabama's is. And that's coming from somebody that hates Alabama. So I... I still think winning the SEC with one loss trumps an undefeated ACC season. A hundred percent. You both are Alabama fans. We know that y'all approve of making it into the playoffs. But this season is our last season with just four teams in the playoffs. Next season, we go instantly to 12. We're going to triple that. So this season, if we were at 12, Florida State would have made the playoffs. Um, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, and Oklahoma. How do you guys feel about moving from four to 12? I think it's good to give some of these other teams that want to believe that they should be in the playoff championship, give them a chance to like play a game. Be like, you know what? Never mind. We can't yeah. hang with ourselves. We had a great season. We can't hang with all these people. I think it is good. Um, I know you had mentioned before, that's a drastic jump to go from four to 12, probably a little too drastic. I think you're going to have some issues there. There's definitely going to be some growing pains. Um, Will it close the mouth of some of the people that complain? Yes. Is it going to open the mouth of new people that are complaining? Yes. So you're not going to make everybody happy. There's not, I don't think there's a solid fix to it. Um, but I don't think changing it every couple of years is going to help either. Like, let's just set the ground rules and let it be what it is. Yeah. I think, too, like, it goes back to, like, what is the criteria to to make the playoffs? And I think part of the problem with the way we have the system set up is not the quantity of teams. It's the fact that we have a committee that decides instead of just having, here's the rules. Here's the stipulations. Right. You meet these things. This is who gets in this seating. I right. know that's problematic when you only have four teams in the playoffs because you could have multiple undefeated teams. But I, surely it kind of dwindles down because if you've got undefeated season, what is your strength of schedule rated? What is your roster rated? Like all of those things taken into account. I think when you bring in like this entity, the committee that decides, you're always going to have people that are biased. Like if you two were on the committee, you're always going to put Alabama in. And Whereas I honestly would have argued more that Georgia should have been in the playoffs instead of Alabama. But Alabama won the SEC championship. So, again, a piece of criteria that would determine who makes what. I think that that would – but I think you're right. Like, yes, it's going to quiet some people, but it's just going to open the mouths of the next tier of complainers, right? Because then the very next team, let's see, the number 13 team in the nation right now is LSU. Well, they also got the Heisman like 
you could argue, well, what about them? Right. And then if you think about like just undefeated teams, like Liberty University's undefeated, well, they don't deserve to be in the playoff. They don't even yeah. deserve to be in the top 25. Like they're literally playing like the blind school. Like I, they don't, like, what are they, what are they doing here? Right. But I what think that, <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't think it's the right answer to go from four to 12. I do think four was a little limiting. I almost think it should be, I'm kind of attached to this idea that Laura had around the NFL, the AFC, NFC thing, kind of the way they do the playoffs in which we're like watching the NFL playoff rankings right now. And then you've got the wild card games. I think that that could be an interesting twist on it. Um, I haven't looked at it, but I wonder how many teams that is. It may be 12 if you take into account the wild card game. But I do think that's a better setup. Yeah, I just think that I do think something needed to change. Four was a little too limiting, but I don't know that the tripling it made sense. Um, Laura, how do you feel about the the playoffs? I mean, I could go to tripling it doesn't make sense. I could also jump on the why don't we have a 2014 playoff? Um, oh yeah, I really, and I think I was thinking about this earlier, but you've got, when you look at just somebody's schedule and you know, they're undefeated and I know y'all mentioned this of like, yeah, you're undefeated, but who did you play or whatnot? And we had TCU playing Georgia last year. Um, when not only could Alabama have beaten TCU, but there are a whole lot of other teams that would have been a better competitor for Georgia than TCU. And I, mm-hmm. I personally, I could be super wrong, but I feel like that may have been a little bit of a factor of keeping FSU out and putting Alabama in because just because you're undefeated, one, your quarterback's injured now, but, like, we've seen a team that was undefeated and we put them in the playoffs and we saw how that went. Like, you just – your your championship game should not be a blowout game. It should be the best two teams. Well, and I think – you know what I think is going to be comical this year in the bowl games when we want to talk about undefeated teams, Liberty University is playing Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. Y'all, that score is going to be like 205 to zero. Like, literally, well, Oregon's going to end up putting the band in to play at some point. Like, I was about to say, they're going to play like their fourth string. <laughs> right. I mean, like the walk-ons are going to have career days. Like, it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I've I feel like it's going to be interesting with um, Georgia playing FSU in their bowl game um, because I, in my heart of hearts, I think that Georgia is going to annihilate FSU. Um, I I do. I think they're going anyway. Um, and I think even more so because FSU is the UCF that's like, well, we beat them, who beat them, who beat them, who beat Alabama. So we're the national champions. And I think Georgia just won. They're playing mad because they should be in the playoffs and them and everybody else knows they should be in the playoffs. Um, but I also think out of just like respect for the F- FS. SEC that Georgia is going to play FSU like we're going to show you why you should have never even opened your mouth about wanting to mm-hmm. be in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I do too. I, I think I think it's going to be a beat the brakes off kind of situation. Um, and I do hope it is because I think that it will it will give validation to the committee's decision. And my hope would be that, well, maybe next season, well, we're going to 12 teams, but maybe that'll help squash some of the beef that happens every year. It's not going to. Everyone's always going to complain, but in theory. I think when you um, have the that's so subjective in picking, you do have mm-hmm. the fan base of saying, like, yeah, our team was undefeated, and you just don't want us because our quarterback's injured. Well, one of the core principles that the committee has always stated 
is that they are looking at the state of your roster. You lost your starting quarterback. Now, if your backup quarterback came in and he is blowing these teams out of the water, that's a different conversation. That didn't happen. You played two SEC teams in 13 weeks, one of them being LSU that already had an inflated ranking. The rest of your schedule was so easy. Like, you can't, you have to make an argument that just because you had an undefeated season doesn't mean you can go in there. We've got better teams that have better states of their roster that played harder teams. Um, It was reported FSU was ranked 55th in the strength of their or their schedule and Alabama was ranked fit. That has to play into consideration there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, On the last note about the playoffs, make a few predictions. We already know y'all think Alabama is going to win the whole thing. So you obviously think they're going to be Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, who Those do you think they'll play at the national championship, though? Washington or Texas? Texas. Laura? I think Texas. they're going to play Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas. So a repeat of the game they lost this season. Yep, okay. and we will not yep. lose it again. I, I would not feel more confident <laughs> than if we played Texas again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day um, – I mean, it is a bit of a home game for Texas, though, if they make it to the national championship because it's in Houston. But um, I don't think that will matter. I do think at the end of the day, Alabama will beat Michigan. I do think that's more of the national championship game to me than the final matchup. I agree. Just because I don't, again, I don't believe the Washington hype. Like, yeah, they're undefeated. Who did they play? Like, it was a down year for Stanford and teams like that. Like, I just... Yeah, I don't, I do think they have a good quarterback, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I do think it will be Alabama, Texas. I do think Alabama will win in the end, but I do think it's going to be really close. Very really close. Do. Especially being in Houston. I just, and I, uh, yeah, I just think it'll be close. They've seen each other this well, season, and I just don't see they say it. It's going to hail their pass. Like, it's not like we're blowing teams out of the water. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think there's just no way Nick Saban loses to the same team twice in a season. No. Like his deal, that's like against his deal with the devil. Like they've worked that out already. So. <laughs> exactly. So we all have nothing to worry about. We need it to be Texas again. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some winners, losers, heroes, and villains of the 2023 season. We'll start with the negative. Um, I'll start with the villain of the 2023 season. For me, it is Jim Harbaugh, the coach of Michigan. I think that their scandal with their sideline coaches or coach stealing signals from other teams should have resulted in a full season suspension for Jim Harbaugh. I think he got off easy. He just looks like a TV villain um, in his khaki pants. I hear he may go to the Chargers. Good riddance. They're terrible, too. Yeah. Um. I can't stand the guy. He's so smug. And I think it just sets a bad precedence for his players. I honestly think yeah. that I think that his that whole thing kept JJ McCarthy, the Michigan quarterback, out of the Heisman race. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, it's unfortunate that the players would be penalized or I don't think that the players necessarily should have been penalized. I do have mixed feelings about them being in the playoffs because now, I think signal stealing is prevalent in college football. I truly do. Um, that's why in the NFL they have the green dot helmets for the quarterback and the head of the defense, which is what college should do. Um, but, like, Jim Harbaugh was behind this whole thing, let's be honest. And yeah. I just, for me, he's a villain who just, ugh, ugh, I can't stand Yeah. Him. I had him listed as my villain also. Just, you started out the season already in violation. Um, mm-hmm. with your recruiting issues, talking to people when you shouldn't be in a manner that you shouldn't be doing it. So again, you've set a bad precedence for your players thinking that this is acceptable, that then they continue. And that's something that they carry into either their work when they graduate or into the NFL, if that's where they go. Um, you can't tell me that he didn't have a pulse on what all of his coaches were doing. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what they were doing, where they were going, what information was being spread. 
Um, and so he, uh, he needs to go. He got a slap on the wrist and it should have been yeah. much worse. But then you have your players defending somebody because, you know, what do they know? They only know what he's telling them. And of course they're going to side with their coach. They're, you're protecting your own. Um, and you've just set them up to look like fools. Yeah. Laura, yeah. who was the, your villain? Agreed. Agreed with both of you. I'm not, I'm just, Becca has helped me a little bit to not hate the entire state and university of Michigan. Um, <laughs> to, to put all of that on one person. Um, so yeah, definitely Jim Harbaugh is the villain of the 2023 college football season. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not right in any way. And it, I do not love that they are in the playoffs at all. It really, it angers me that they're in the playoffs. I do get, you've got student athletes, which we've talked about this whole episode of the student athletes and these kids are kids. Um, but dadgum. Yeah. Y'all have been, yeah, you're undefeated. Congratulations. Also, you cheated. <laughs> I, I just. Well, it's like my son, who's just turned eight this weekend. We play FIFA on his Xbox all the time, the soccer game. And he always wants to pick my team that I am going to play as because he's going <laughs> to pick the worst team, right? And I'm always telling him, it's not worth winning if you have to cheat to win. I mean, he still doesn't beat me, but. <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's the same. I mean, I'm just saying it's the same sentiment, though. Like, I just don't I hate it. Yeah. Um, okay. On the flip side, though, Becca, who was your hero of the 2023 season? Uh, Coach Saban, 100% Coach Saban. Good God, you, <laughs> you people, know, you homers. Like, it's just fun to watch a coach that people kind of are like, "Is he done yet? He's been there forever." He's still got it. That man can still coach. He started out the year with not even certain who his starters were, who his quarterback was going to be. We saw them struggle and he still coached those boys up. Um, he's that's my winner. I like him. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Uh, Laura, who is I figure he's going to be yours too. I'm sure that's Mandy, who's your hero? <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and just skip. Um, <laughs> Real quick, I have seven percent battery left on my phone, so just okay. just real yeah. talk. Way to be prepared. <laughs> yeah, um, my hero is actually Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from LSU. Um, Ew. Oh, okay. Well, let's come on a little less <laughs> strong. Um, Sorry. So he obviously won the Heisman, um, but I, I, I. Listen, I'm not going to pick Alabama or Saban. I don't know what you're thinking. Like, I am a Christian. I believe in the Lord. We do not deal with people that have dealings with the devil. I, mm -mm, I he is the Lord's chosen. You quit it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. I'm out of that. No, I picked Jaden Daniels. Um, I think him, I think he was a dark horse for the Heisman. I think he was always in the talk, and I think everyone just assumed it was going to be Caleb Williams again from USC. He kind of crapped the bed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I mean LSU had three losses this season, and he still put up crazy numbers. So yeah, that was fine. Um, let's switch and talk about some other losers of the 2023 season. Um, I had a couple. I had three, so I'll tell you those three. Um, I actually had USC, um, Lincoln Riley, and Caleb Williams as losers on my thing. I think Lincoln Riley. I'm just not a fan. Speaking I can of do that, conferences yeah. and teams, like I think he moved out to LA from Oklahoma because it was flashy and all that. And I love USC, but I think I just I don't know. I just don't like him. And of course, he's already like eyeing the NFL. He allegedly wants to go wherever Caleb gets drafted, whatever. Um, and I think Caleb he cracked the bed this year. Like, dude has. I mean, USC is like the Alabama of the West. They have all the best players. They have all the NIL money you could ever dream of. What did he do? Like, he just, and then, like, he was always crying after the games. I don't know. I just, he was a loser to me. Um, yeah. Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Obviously, he got fired, so I'm not Woo! the only one a loser. Um, I do not like Jimbo Fisher. I never have. I think he's a freaking weirdo. I think he was inflated from FSU. Again, 
had this great run at FSU, but who were you playing? And come to the SEC and what happened? Mm-hmm. Proven out. He gets fired. So yeah. for me, he's a loser. He always will be. Um, my third one is actually um, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders at Colorado. Um, yeah. You know, all the hype, all of that. In the first few games of the season, it was so fun to watch. All three of us would always text during their games. Like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. And then what happened? They, I think they lost every other game after that. Yeah. Um, so I just, for me, that was a loser. Um, Laura, before your phone dies, who are your losers? Well, I'm going to say, I'm just going to piggyback off of two of yours. And I think one coach prime major disappointment. And I'm really sad about that. And regardless of their schedule and truly regardless of, you know, win or lose, if they had won or lost the game, whatever their record was, when, when you go in with that much hype around yourself, um, when you fall, it has shown to me drastically they were not a team. They were there for – they were – it was a whole bunch of individuals. There was not a team spirit there from the coach all the way down. It was not about the team. It was about themselves. And that you're, you're a loser when you're doing that because I think we have, like, really nailed home that – this is a team sport. Like you're trying to build character and integrity and instill these great qualities into these student athletes that are still students that are still kids that are still growing and learning and maturing. And that's just really disappointing to see a coach like that quote unquote lead the way he did. Um, and I hate A&M, so I feel like it's easy for them to be my losers of the season. Um, because they do lose, they make it pretty easy on that. But Jim Har- or Jim Harbaugh, Jimbo, just the fact that, I mean, the 97 pages of his offensive plan, and then now we've got, you know, Louis Gomer, or not, no. That's the congressman. It is. You it mean is. the new cover? Mike Elko? Who's up there? And now I'm like, well, I just look like the idiot now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his name is gone. Who's the offensive? Who? Up in the booth. Oh, Bobby. Bobby yeah. Petrino. Yeah. Well, he's come to Arkansas. He's come home to Arkansas. Now, yeah. Paul Paul Petrino. Like, yeah. just. riding a motorcycle, having another affair, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just feel like at this point for Jimbo, when you are this old coaching, same with Jim Harbaugh, you know better, do better. You shouldn't have people saying, okay, you are not good at this. You cannot call plays. You cannot do X, Y, and Z. You can't. I just, he was an idiot. He was a loser from the beginning. He schmoozed Mm -hmm. A&M to make them think that he was somebody that he never was. And he proved himself. So, yeah. Becca, who are your picks? So I had two. I had Caleb Williams also as one of my losers for this year. The man just thought, like you were saying, that team was stacked. You had some of the greatest players, and you're still not blowing teams out of the water. You're not doing great. And then to be like, oh, letting your representatives know to these potential NFL teams that you want partial ownership, my man, take several seats. We're not, we're not part. doing that. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. it just, you just yeah. you can't, we need some humility here. I mean, how many of these mm-hmm. first rounds, you know, draft picks go and they're not great. We're not giving you ownership of a team. Golly. So he was one, and my other one was the same as y'all, Colorado. It was way too much hype. Um, because it very yeah. clearly fell apart when we realized it was for themselves. They were not playing as a team. It was, look at me. When you've got your quarterback out there wearing, like, diamonds and all this stuff, like, come on. Yeah. You don't yeah. have enough behind you to act the way that you're acting on the field. You have not proven yourself yet. Yeah. Take a seat. 
Like yeah. we're not. And then for mm-hmm. Dion to come out and say, oh, he's not going to declare for the draft because he's not going as number two. Who wants to go as yeah. number one when you're getting teams like the Panthers? Uh, come on. So I just, they showed their true colors real fast. It was fun to go along with the hype um, when they Mm -hmm. could back it up. But as soon as they started playing for themselves, it was very clear. We got to get a handle on that. Yeah. And that starts to stop now. Yeah. Um, On the flip side, the winner of the 2023 season, Becca, I'm going to give you your flowers here. Um, I actually picked Missouri. Um, in oh. 2022, Missouri went six and out of se- or six and seven, so they lost seven one six. This year, they moved all the way to ten and two. Um, I am not a fan of the coach. Do you say Drinkwitch? Is that how you say it? Drinkwitch. Whatever. I can't stand the guy. Eli, whatever. I don't like him. Mug, and I think like I just am not a fan. They still recruit from Arkansas. I don't love it. Um. But I I have to say, like, they're doing a lot with a little. I mean, honestly, in comparison, I do think it's to their advantage that they're in the SEC East, but, well, which is apparently going away. But I do, I mean, hey, they went from six and seven to 10 and two. They won some big games. Um, So, yeah, they were my winners. I Overall, and this is hard for me to say, overall, it was kind of a lackluster college football season for me. And I don't know yeah. if it's because I was a little more into the NFL this year than normal. Um, I don't know why that is. Um, but <laughs> I do think it was just kind of a lackluster season for me. And I wouldn't say it's because the Razorbacks sucked because they always suck. So I don't know. But for me, they were, they were my winner. Um, Laura, did you have a winner? Yes. Um, I am going to say, and I'm, I'm already sorry. I am sorry. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I would Jalen Milrow is my okay. is my winner because okay. the way the way he has ended the season is not the way he started the season. Yeah, but who the person that he is in his after the game interviews is the person that I I love him like he was my son. I just. <laughs> The smile on his face, the pride that he has in his teammates, there is just, there, there is nothing cooler to me than that, than seeing a man be really proud of the people around him, but seeing a kid genuinely just love what he does, have fun with it every game, um, it just, he has, for me, he has been the most fun to watch all season because he has worked his tail off and it shows. And I mean, that Auburn game, the final two seconds, two minutes, whatever, like it just, it was so much fun to watch. And I, he made, he made that game, but he's made the whole college football season for me. Yeah, yeah. That's I'll give you that one. That's that's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> I well, I had two. I had Mizzou and Alabama. <laughs> yes, we really do have original thoughts. I promise. <laughs> it was just fun to have a good season for them. All of the fans when we jumped to the SEC were like, "What are we doing? We cannot hang with those people." And we've proven for a lot of these seasons that we cannot hang with these people. So it was fun to have like a season where you're like, yeah, I'll wear my Mizzou shirt out. (laughs) Um, And then my other one was just Alabama. I think when you're Alabama, you're expected to be great. You're expected that people are going to hate you because you always win things. That's a lot of pressure to put on some of these kids that haven't played at this level before. Um, and so when they came out this season, looking all kinds of a mess at the beginning of the year, we're not sure our starters are, we're not sure what we're doing, how to catch a ball, how to throw a ball. Um, but then just to continue to grind and do so with a smile on our face, like you've seen Jalen and every press conference that he's done and every media appearance, like he's always giving credit to the rest of his team. He has never once said anything negative about being benched. Um, or any of that. And then to see them come out and be in the playoffs has been a lot of fun to watch. 
um, knowing the struggle that they took to get there and the pressure that they're under. So I'm always going to pick them as my winner. <laughs> yeah, I should have known that was coming. Um, let's talk about, and this kind of is in the same vein with the villains and the losers, the worst storyline of 2023. Overall, I think the worst storyline, we came into the 2023 season, Deion Sanders was supposed to be like the second coming of Nick Saban, probably, to college football. He's just going to change the whole game. Those first few games, it was like, this is, Becca will laugh at this word. It, it was electric. Like, it, you know, <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that one. But, um, like, it really, at first, you were just like, this is, this is it, right? Um, much like he did at Jackson State. Like, he really changed the game in those few seasons for the HBCUs. And I think that's amazing what she had stayed there, honestly. But, um, talk about nothing. Just a big nothing burger after that. Like, they fell apart. That's that's like top down. Like all the reasons you guys are saying that they were the losers of the 2023 season, that's him. Like that is, that is his coaching. That is his personality. And, you know, people want to say like when they talk about Shador and Shiloh, how they go out there wearing all this garb while they're playing, they want to say, well, Dion did. He's in the hall of fame. Listen, I don't think Dion Sanders would have been half the player he was if he was playing in today's, um, league. I just don't believe it. I think he would have gotten annihilated. 100%. Um, and so yeah. I think that, that is proving out, unfortunately, through his sons and his team. And I think like at some point it has yeah. to stop being about Dion and start being about Colorado and those student athletes um, and not like LeBron James is sending your quarterback a jersey. Like it's not, I think for me, that was the worst storyline. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I thought that was probably the worst one just because you hyped all these kids in this team and this fan base up. And then you win your first two games and we're like, yeah, they're going to take it all. And then you crapped the rest of the season. It was yeah. deplorable. Um, but I think to see how Coach Prime was in the post-game conferences where mm – -hmm. You know, you act all dejected and I'm going to get rid of this whole O-line. We're just going to start new. Like, coach your kids. Coach the ones that are there. Stop just giving up when something is hard. <clears throat> That's what you're teaching your kids to do. And you've talked your quarterback up to think he's, you know, the next coming. Yeah. Well, he didn't do that great either. And you can't. Yeah, he really didn't. He a couple of times. So did a lot of players. You can't just yeah. say, oh, well, he was injured and he played through it. Well, if he was injured and he was going to suck, play your second string. Well, so. and I think, too, like, you know, I remember before Dion, before the season even started, when his first team meeting, when he told those players, like, some of you guys need to go ahead and leave. When that happened, I was like, oh, that is so yeah. Dion Sanders. Um, but then part of me was like, you know, he should be motivating them to, like, don't come here expecting status quo of what Colorado football has become. Like it's about to change. So I kind of was like on the fence about that whole thing. So they did lose yeah. a bunch of people. Like, and then they got all these recruits. Well, if you notice lately, a bunch of these recruits are flipping and they're decommitting because I think yeah. they're seeing through them. And I think that that is, you know, that's a kind of response to them decommitting. Yeah. Again, a oh loser response. Yeah. Right. So beyond that to me. Yeah. Um, so my winning storyline of 2023, I guess you will really appreciate this one. Um, I went with I went with Jaden Daniels again, but I had like kind of some reasons. So besides just winning the Heisman. So I've got some stats for you. In the 2022 season. So first of all, I don't even think I realized that Jaden Daniels was a transfer. Speaking of the portal. I didn't realize that he started at Arizona and came to LSU. I think he kind of flew under the radar for me. Um and so I think that says a lot, too, flew under the radar for somebody who does watch and reads a lot about college football. Um, but 2022 season, he only had 17 touchdowns the whole season. Um, this year, he had 40. Um, and that's in one season. That's like a drastic, drastic jump, especially in the SEC. Um, what I thought was equally impressive, he only had four interceptions. Um, in SEC defenses, like that. That is and throwing for 40 touchdowns. So you're obviously throwing more than you previous. Yeah. That's that's to me huge. But then also I would say my other storyline there that kind of gets 
overshadowed by him, though, is the offensive line at LSU. Get this. Okay. Um, in the 2022 season, Jaden Daniels was sacked 43 times. This season, the whole season, he was only sacked 22 times. Wow. Against SEC defensive lines, like, I think to me, that is my best storyline of 2023 that nobody is talking about because that's just what happens, though. You know, the quarterback gets all the accolades, and, you know, that's kind of just the name of the game. But for me, it was really that O-line because you don't win a Heisman if your O-line sucks. Like, exactly. you just don't. I mean, K.J. Jefferson, the Arkansas quarterback, at the beginning of the season, his name was mentioned a couple of times at the Heisman. Never going to happen. But he also never had a prayer because our offensive line was terrible. And so you don't make those touchdown throws either with a bad offensive line because you don't have time to throw it. Yeah. Um, so that was my best storyline. How about you? So mine was not stat driven or anything. My favorite storyline was all of the teams and fan bases coming out against Michigan. <laughs> I that mean, is a good one. Way to just combine the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the signs that they made for game day and all of the things like it was it was funny to watch just because it's one of those situations where we know it happened. Um and so you're just going to stick up for your team. So it was just a fun storyline to follow um, throughout the season. Not fun if you're a Michigan player, but fun for everybody else. Nope. Maybe they'll all be in the transfer portal next. Probably. Probably. Um, well, that wraps up the 2023 recap. We'll have to see in January. We'll have to come back and see if we were right about our predictions. I'm sure we will be with Alabama, but we'll see. All right.